We're close. On an abstract painting. It's weird. And beautiful. This is a story about a family. We pull back just slightly to reveal. It's actually an old beaten up hardwood floor we've been looking at. It's covered with scratches, gouges, a few dings. We hear footsteps approaching. A mob suddenly wipes through frame. We see only their shoes. Cries are heard. Prayers, too. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners. Dogs barking. It's a large family of underachievers. Could have been. Some in America might even call them losers. We float over and find anchored on the floor in the middle of the mob. A pair of chubby old bare feet. We start slow motion as big black boots step into frame, bookending the old feet. Now, if what you're about to hear hints at a mystical story, it's not. It's just a story about a family, pure and complicated. The old feet begin to gently lift up off the ground. This is what happened a week ago. We fade in close on an enormous push-button phone. This phone, acquired free of charge from the Braille Institute, served as Command Central. Taped to every button on the enormous keypad, except the zero, is a photo of a young white child. The configuration is reminiscent of the Brady Bunch graph. There are 11 photos total, some black and white, others color, the hairstyle spanning different decades, the 60s, 70s, and 80s. An old lady's hand reaches in and grabs the handset. She presses and holds the photo taped to the one button of an eight-year-old tomboy. She's speed dialing. Number one answers, the oldest of the brood. She's now 65. Honey, it's your mother. She listens. Oh, shoot, really? That's terrible. You see, each chick had their own sad story. We begin a speed dialing montage. Her finger presses the three photo of an angelic little boy. Oh, good Lord, that sounds just awful. Her finger presses the four photo of an adorable little girl. Honey, you don't deserve that. She presses the five, six, and seven photos, all adorable. You see, listening to their sad stories had been her full-time job since they all, well, almost all, flew the coop years ago. She presses the eight, nine, and asterisk buttons, all angelic. Well, if he doesn't have the wherewithal to treat you with respect, then, sweetheart, you just can't keep pushing yourself like that. Now that's just bullshit. You go in there and tell them enough is enough. We land on the zero, the only uncovered button on the enormous keypad. Now there's a reason the zero isn't covered. It's because this mother, we whipped to find Marie Rudd Amberson, AKA Big Mama, perched on a faded red velour lazy boy. Big is right, also gorgeous like an old movie star. The phone still pressed to her ear. This mother doesn't believe any of her kids are zeros. She's just finishing up now with Eleven, her youngest. Well, sweetheart, you can always come back home. Through her phone, we hear, Ma, no, come on, that's not, I'm not doing that. I, Mom, I'm not, that is never going to happen, all right? I, I got to go, all right? I love you. I'm not moving back home, okay? Bye. Eleven hangs up. Big Mama holds the phone just off her ear. Her expression says it all. She worries about all of them. 
but it's Eleven that needs her now. Her mind's racing. Ding. A light bulb goes off. What happens next is debatable. Slowly, Big Mama turns and looks right at us. She smiles. Suddenly, one side of her face droops. An act of will? Fate? Or simply, a stroke of genius? The smile, now uneven. It's bizarre. It's unsettling. We smash cut to the Burbank Putt-Putt and Grill. Eleven sits behind the counter, his head down resting on it as he taps a 90-day sobriety chip, the phone just dropping from his ear. He feels a light tapping, then harder. Did. Did. Then harder. Did. Eleven's head pops up. Meet Ethan Amberson. He's 45, a remarkable head of hair, and a residue of handsome. Dude, I got a hole in one on the last hole. What do I get? A kid, about 15, with long blonde hair, plops a putter and ball down on the counter. I win something, right? Ethan squints at the ball, confused. Uh, is this, uh, is this your first time? Damn straight. Can't believe I nailed that last one. Ethan, now clutching the chip, sets it down and looks at the kid. Yeah, me neither. Ethan picks up the ball and starts to demonstrate with a dipping motion. It, uh, it goes, uh, down the hole. Exactly! A hole in one. And that sign right there says I'm a winner. The kid is pointing to a small frame sign that sits on the counter. It reads, Got a hole in one on 18? Get a free prize. Yeah, 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 no, it does. And, uh, yeah, you do. It's just, uh, when you get a, uh, a, a hole in one on the last hole, uh, Ethan points to the ball. It goes down the hole. And it's, like, gone. And you, you can't get it back. Like, all the balls on 18, they go down the hole. And, uh, you know, essentially unretrievable. Well, that's, that's actually how we, we retrieve them. And the, the whole prize dealer, you know, that, that's just an incentive that we offer our patrons to try and do something hard. Ethan leans in close. You know what's really hard? Uh, being honest about your life, about what you've done, you know? Your achievements. You see, we, we take people at their word when they say they got a hole in one on the last hole. And it's, uh, it's their honesty that we reward with a, well, this week it's a... Ethan turns and checks a chart. Sandwich. So you see, you actually can't return the ball like you just did. Ethan holds the ball right in the kid's face. This one. Do we have a problem here? Ethan smiles. He reaches for something under the counter. Nah, nah, nah. I get it. I get it. I get it, man. Believe me. He pulls up a coupon and slides it across the counter. You're a winner, kid. Congratulations. We get a look at that coupon. It reads, free sandwich at the grill. Expires today. The kid grabs the coupon and moves off. Ethan hustles away, too. We smash cut to the grill portion of the Burbank Putt-Putt and Grill. The kid's waiting at the counter, staring at the wall behind it. Ethan arrives pulling on a hairnet. He's the cook, too. Ethan inquires. So, uh, yeah, what kind of sandwich? Can you make a club? 
the kid says, his eyes still locked on that wall. We begin a sandwich-making montage. Three pieces of bread are loaded into a toaster with one hand. A tomato is skillfully carved. Pieces of bacon, lettuce, turkey carefully chosen. The toaster pops up. Ethan expertly assembles the sandwich. And for the first time, we get a look at that wall behind the counter. Lining it are headshots of celebrities that put it there. None are remotely recognizable. Actually, one is. Remotely. It's an actor with remarkable hair that appeared on a hit TV show only twice, 20 years ago. Dude, that dude looks like you. Ethan slides an incredible club sandwich in front of the kid. Ah, uh, that, that dude is me. Yeah, <laughs> long time ago. Whoa, so you used to be somebody? Not really. Kid stares at him, pure pity. He pulls out a joint, lays it on the counter, grabs his sandwich, and leaves. Ethan eyes the joint. He pulls his sobriety chip out of his pocket. His eyes dart back to the joint. We're inside an ambulance, en route. We're close on Big Mama's face. A large black hand reaches in, gently rubbing her forehead. Then again, she turns and looks right at us with that crooked smile. A studio apartment in Burbank. It's the next morning. Ethan's passed out on a futon. The only other furnishings in the shag carpeted room are a set of dumbbells. Ethan stirs, hungover. Fumbling for his phone, he finds it. Yeah. Ethan Amberson? Yeah. Oh, hi. This is uh, Max Myers from Abrams. I've been asked to inform you that we are no longer going to be able to represent your needs at this agency. I'm very sorry. Oh, okay. Um, okay, yeah, I figured. But thanks. Thanks uh, for making it official. Max. Oh, and by the way, you were so awesome as fun Bobby. Ethan hangs up. Reeling. The following is footage from one of two episodes Ethan appeared in 20 years ago. I know this jacket. This is Fun Bobby's jacket. Where is he? What? He's here, isn't he? Maybe. Don't toy with me. <laughs> Get away! Fun Bobby! Hey. Whoa, hey, you've been working out, huh? Not at all. <laughs> I love this guy. We're in Ethan's bathroom. He lies submerged in a tub full of water. He's attempting suicide by balancing his dumbbells on his chest, but they keep slipping off. Finally, he steadies them, closes his eyes, and then... Ethan's eyes pop open. He wonders who's calling. Maybe it's Max. Maybe he wasn't supposed to be on that list. He slides the dumbbells, hops out of the tub, dripping, gasping for air, and answers the phone. Yeah, yeah, I'm here. I'm still here. We're in an airplane cabin. It's night. We move past sleeping passengers. Land on Ethan. He looks numb. Ethan sits in the back of an Uber as it travels down a leafy neighborhood street. We're in Indianapolis, Indiana. It's dawn. 
the car stops and Ethan gets out, throwing his bag over his shoulder. The car drives away and Ethan looks up and sees the house. At the top of the stairs, he passes an old lamppost, tapping a placard that swings from it. The number on it is 4460. It's an old house, desperately in need of repair. Now this house sits on the line that divides the city. One block south, all black people. One block north, all white people. Ethan pushes in through a torn screen door and enters the front porch where he finds stuff everywhere. Old toys, records, books, tapes, old bikes. It looks like a Salvation Army. He weaves through it all, finally landing at the front door. Warning, it's called 11. Do not try and remember each one. May cause exhaustion. Ethan tries the door. It's locked. Just as he goes to knock, Seymour Amberson, 63, opens the door and pops his head out. Just think of them as clowns getting out of a 72 VW bug. Seymour looks certifiable. Huge beard. Unkempt hair. Nuts. Think David Letterman now. Freeze on that image. As we snap to the black and white photo taped to the two button on the enormous phone. A handsome young man proudly wearing a graduation cap. That's Seymour, number two. He was the valedictorian of his high school class and the one chick that never flew the coop. Except for that time he went missing. We unfreeze. Here, drink this, you look like shit. Seymour shoves a jar of water into Ethan's face. Ethan takes it and drinks. Senior year at Cornell, Seymour vanished. Six months later, they found him on this very porch, curled up like an animal. The next day, the FBI showed up, arrested him, and sent him to an asylum. 29 shock treatments later, and he had no memory of where he had been or what he had done. Nobody did. Well, that's not true. Somebody did. Ethan drains the jar and hands it back to Seymour. Uh, is that the, the water that you drink from out back? Seymour nods. They move inside. You see, once Seymour resurfaced, he never drank city water again now only from a well deep in the backyard. We enter the living room, where we find more stuff. Cluttered with antique sofas and chairs, there's tchotchkes everywhere. A family of collectors that's been collecting for 40 years. Where's Dad? Back in the sun parlor. How are you feeling? Like my feet aren't on the ground? Yeah, I know. I know, it's trippy, you know. I don't know, I feel like I've been waiting for that call my whole life, you know. Any word from the, the hospital? Stable. Junior's up there playing hero, you know. He told us to sit tight till he calls. Look, uh, I'm, uh, I'm having a little bit of an issue here. I, uh, I feel like I'm floating. Oh, I get it. I get it, man. I hear you. Ethan starts to move to the back. Seymour grabs him hard. No, kid. I'm like five inches off the ground right now. He points at his own head. Here. You dig? Ethan gets it now. He glances at Seymour's feet anyway. Oh, 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 okay. Yeah, no, I, I dig. I just, uh, do you know why? Might have something to do with the fact that lithium's been snacking on my kidneys for 20 years. My doctor just took me off a cold turkey. Well, why the hell did he, Ethan catches himself. Look, look, man, we'll figure it out, all right? I'm, I'm gonna be here for a whole week, so just, you know, hang in there. Ethan continues to the back. Seymour, softly to himself. Gee, a whole week? And then, 
Oh, uh, Ma wants you to cut my hair. Ethan turns, confused. I thought she couldn't talk. When, when did she say that? She didn't. I just, I know she would. We're in the sun parlor, a room with windows on three walls. Alan Amberson Sr., 86, sits next to the empty lazy boy. He's sexy, charming, and agile. Think Norman Lear. Ah, there's my winner. Ethan moves to him, leans over. These two can hug. Stroke. Horrible word. Not sexy. Oh, speaking of which, Tommy brought me a little present. Alan Sr. pulls out a vintage Playboy. Mint. July 73, huh? The one with Jimmy Connors' wife? Look at that. Bush. <laughs> oh, he did all right, huh? Uh, yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm not feeling too sexy now, Pop. Your mother never understood sex. That's how you end up with 11. 11 kids. Jesus. Well, lucky for you, right, huh? Yeah, yeah, lucky me. Number 11. All right, look, Pa, I am, uh, I'm gonna go lay down. I, I guess, I guess we'll head up to the hospital after we hear from Junior. Ethan goes to give him a hug. His dad pulls him in tight. I always knew you were the one that was gonna make it. Ethan pulls away, dazed. He moves off as we hear Alan singing. Hooray for Hollywood. Da -da 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 Ethan's taking a dump in a bathroom just off the kitchen. He looks around and notices the floor is rotting. Tiles missing. Mold on the ceiling. He becomes mesmerized by a dripping faucet. Moments later, we find Ethan as he heads to the basement for that nap. But he stops when he hears typing. He follows the sound up a staircase. At the top, a doorway. He peeks in. It is a madman's lair. Stacks and stacks and stacks of books, piled all the way up to the ceiling. In the corner sits Seymour, typing away on an old Corona typewriter. We push past Seymour, and we notice through a window in the house next door, we see a young girl. She's holding up a phone. She's recording. She's weird and beautiful. We cut inside and get a good look at that young girl's phone. On it, we see Seymour typing. Then she adjusts the frame skillfully to include Ethan standing in the doorway. We snap to black. We fade in close on Ethan. He's in the basement, sleeping. He starts to shake. He wakes. He wonders. An earthquake? In Indiana? Then he notices only the bed is shaking. Suddenly, he pokes the bunk above. Hey, come on, man. I'm down here. Angle on above. Tommy Amberson, 59, is naked and masturbating. We freeze on that image. We snap back to the photo taped to the three button on the enormous phone. It's of an angelic little boy's first communion picture. That's Tommy, number three. Loves porn, poetry, and being naked. A little habit he picked up from a commune in Iowa. We unfreeze and the stroking resumes. Uh, yeah, Annie and Laura just called down and said we had 20 minutes before we head up to the hospital. I needed to take care of business. When did they get in? Uh, just now. I guess they left Chicago this morning. The bed is still shaking. Beat, beat. Ethan wonders. So, wow, I guess this is it, huh? The end? 
the end. Kid, come on. This is just the beginning of a bunch of ends. Wow. Yeah, I guess uh, <laughs> I guess one of us is going to 11 funerals. 12, you know, but who's counting? Relax, kid. You got some time to work on your big speech. It's funny. I was, I was just thinking about that, what I would want other people to say about me at my funeral. Of course you were. What does that mean? It means we're related. That's all. Relax. Bed is still shaking. Jesus, Tommy, are you almost done up there? Hey, it's not a race, little brother. Ethan gets the hell out of there. We're in Seymour's room, looking out into the hallway. Ethan's head comes peeking around the corner. He's checking to see. There's no one there. So he moves to the typewriter. He leans in, curious to read what Seymour had been typing. But the page is blank. There's nothing there. Wait. He moves in closer. There is something there. The ribbon is bone dry, but the keys have left impressions in the paper. Ethan looks up, confused. Through a window, he spots an old basketball hoop nailed to a tree in the backyard. We match dissolve to a flashback. It's 1972, and that basketball hoop is brand new. Seymour's 19. He looks like James Dean as he places a basketball into Ethan's tiny five-year-old hands. Okay, kid, hands here and here. Seymour positions Ethan's hands on the ball. Bend your knees. Ethan does. Seymour moves behind him and leans down. Now, focus on the rim. Ethan does. And then Seymour covers Ethan's eyes with his hands. Okay, shoot. I can't see. Yeah, you can. Right here. Seymour digs his fingers into Ethan's gut. Now, just let it fly. Well, how will I know if it went in, kid? Don't be so white, okay? Just shoot. Ethan shoots. Seymour closes his eyes, too, and smiles. We snap back to the present. We're close on that typewriter. The impressions left in the paper. We hear the swish of a ball going through a hoop. Ethan smiles, remembering. Seymour never cared about results. Hey, kid. Startled. Ethan whips around. Seymour stands in the doorway. Uh, kid, I think I'm in trouble here. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> you scared the shit. I'm feeling a little homicidal. Uh, do you, do you mean suicidal? No, homo. Homicidal. Oh, okay. Uh, well, uh, who do you want to murder? Ma. Oh. 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 Oh, okay, well, yeah. I mean, maybe you just want to, you know, put her out of her misery, mercy, Percy Sledge. No, it, it ain't that, white boy. Will you stop trying to make sense of everything? Sometimes you just don't, all right? My, my meds, they're fucked up, period. Next question. Always suspicious of his brother's mental illness, Ethan inquires. How would you do it? Without hesitation, Seymour mimes holding a knife. He plunges it into Ethan's heart, pulling it down across his chest. Ethan nods, convinced. We smash to an ambulance en route. Seymour's tied down on a gurney. EMTs Clarence and Bert, both large black men, sit on either side. Ethan's at his feet. Ethan says, Guys, I, I, I really could have driven. Come on, man, this is how we roll. We take your dad in a couple weeks ago, then we got your mama, and now we take care of Seymour. We seize everything. We on call for you guys. We take our brakes parked at the end of your motherfucking block. You took Dad? What? You, Dad? When did you take Dad in? Clarence and Bert look at each other like, oops. 
He thought he was having a heart attack. Turned out to be a panic attack. Why? What happened? Nothing came out. Ethan, still confused, Clarence clarifies. When he came, dig? Ethan's lost. Bert spells it out. No jizz. Holy shit. Ethan's mortified. Had to pull his pants up for him. I don't blame him. I'd have called 911 too. Old man looked like he seen the devil himself. He may have. That shit happened to me. You might as well strap me down and hit that siren too, because that shit would be too much for this here nigga capitulate. Seymour chuckles. His eyes closed. Ethan asks him, What? I love black people. Uh-oh, Clarence. Looks like we got us one. Seymour goes on. I'm white. I'm white. I'll never be police stop. That rhythm, that boogie. Ethan begs Seymour to move on. He turns to Clarence and Bert. Thank you for, you know, taking care of Dad and, uh, well, and Mom. Oh, hey, how, how was she when you guys got there? Chill. Totally chill. Willie motherfucking Nelson chill, dig? Seymour just smiles, really grooving now, as he utters, Oh, God, I wish I was black. We're at the hospital inside the ER waiting room. Ethan sits alone. A black admitting nurse sits behind the counter. We hear a TV mounted up in the corner. Once the video of the prank went viral, City Councilman White was forced to step down. We get an angle on that TV where we see Councilman White holding up a heaping teaspoon of cinnamon, encouraging a mentally challenged boy to eat it. The boy does. His face contorts. Councilman White starts to laugh his ass off as the gagging boy runs off for water, leaving a vacant seat to be filled with a special election in just two weeks. And it sure looks like Big Dave Daniels is a shoe-in, as he's currently running unopposed. Also in the news, Broad Ripple Library could be the next to slip off that fiscal cliff if a budget can't be... Ethan's phone starts to ring. Hello? What are you wearing? What? Your style. What do you call that? Is that, uh, is that Starsky or Hutch? Who is this? Can't you feel me, little brother? Ethan looks around and spots a big white ass. Press to the window next to the entrance. We freeze on that image. We insert the photo tape to the nine button. A gorgeous boy with long hair. That's Junior, number nine. Unemployed, divorced, and a terrible listener. But his enthusiasm and charisma are simply undeniable. Seconds later, we're outside the ER entrance where Alan Amberson Jr., or just Jr., has hoisted Ethan off the ground and has him in a huge bear hug. He's sexy and strong. Think Dwayne The Rock Johnson, but white. He wears big black boots. Oh, man, it is so good you're here. Oh, mm. Mama is going to love seeing you. Her favorite. How's L.A.? Well, honestly, uh, things have been... You know, I'm writing again. A movie. Not a play. Wow. That, that, that's great. Did Seymour mention it to you? Junior whips his head around in both directions. Where is he, by the way? Oh, they, uh, they took him back about a half hour ago. And uh, no, no, he didn't mention it. Can I give it to you? I'm going to give it to you right now. You, you ready for this? It's a Vietnam biopic about a, a charismatic Ivy League anti-war activist who, in the middle of his senior year, just suddenly vanishes, disappearing off the face of the earth. Ethan says, that sounds familiar, but wait, there's more. Yeah, I know there's more. Once he resurfaces, then he's hunted down by the FBI, incarcerated, then he's committed to an asylum, and then, boom, 29 shock treatments later. And any memory of where he'd been or what they did to him is gone, Who's they? The proverbial they, man. The man, man. 
I mean, come on. Come on. Is there not something in there for everyone? There's a, a lot in there. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it, a few days ago, I was, uh, I was wanting to see more about being blocked, you know, as a writer. And uh, I don't know, we got to chatting somehow about his file, his FBI file. The one that, that he's completely entitled to access to. And by the way, thanks for the Freedom of Information Act. Thank you very much. And so I'm looking at him, and, you know, we're talking, and I'm looking at him, and boom, it hits me. <sighs> that face. <laughs> Holy shit, that fucked up, amazing face. That's our opening shot. And that file? Yeah, that file. That file sure as fuck knows where it was for those six months. Believe me, juicy stuff. I can feel it. I can feel it. I can feel it. Do you feel this, little brother? I mean, I'm, I'm not crazy, am I? I mean, you feel this. I'm not, right? Um, you brought this up with Seymour one a couple days ago. Yeah, I was just, you know, driving him to his biannual shrink meeting thingy, and uh, he really didn't mention it. No, no. The only thing he mentioned was that he wanted to kill Junior gets distracted by a wall clock. Oh, shoot. I got to scoot. The meeting's about to start. Are you coming? What meeting? The mom meeting with the doctor. By the way, did, did, did you ever run into Paul Rudd? I mean, we got to be cousins, right? I mean, how awesome is that guy? Uh, where is he? Oh, shoot, I don't know. Uh, Mulholland, Malibu? I figured you'd know. The doctor. Oh, oh, right. Yeah, no, uh, second floor, uh, room 206. Where's Ma? Upstairs, uh, room uh, 1119. Handy, right? <laughs> we got we got Seymour here, Doc there, Ma in the penthouse. <laughs> it's like one-stop shopping. <laughs> oh, uh, hey, um, could you shoot me a couple bucks for parking? It's really expensive here. Back inside the ER, moments later, Ethan approaches the black nurse behind the counter. Yeah, I just, uh, I wanted to check in, you know, see what was going on with Seymour Amberson. She checks a list, turns, grabs an envelope, and slides it across the counter. Ethan opens it and finds Seymour's shoelaces. So he's, he's being detained 24 hours. Uh, you sure? I'm, I, I think he might just need his meds checked. I mean... I'm actually, you know, pretty familiar with suicidal tendencies. The nurse just stares at him blankly. Minutes later, we're in a hospital hallway. Ethan rounds the corner, finds his mom's room, and stops. Seconds later, we're inside a hospital elevator. Ethan darts in, punching the down button. The doors close, and as they do, we flash back. It's 1972. We're outside a local television station, where a five-year-old Ethan is reluctantly following his mom towards a studio entrance. Marie is svelte and smoking a cigarette. She carries herself like a movie star. Moments later, and we're backstage on the set of Kindergarten College, a local TV show where four lucky kids get to spend the whole week with Janie and Cowboy Bob. Ethan's scared. Marie bends down. What is it, baby? Um, I'm just not, uh, comfortable. Yeah. His mom moves in close. Me too. He looks at her, surprised. Ethan. Sometimes things that aren't comfortable are good for you. Ethan thinks about that one. She kisses his head, gently, grabs his shoulders, and looks him square in the eye. I'm right here. Marie turns him towards the stage, gives him a soft nudge. Ethan moves in as the blinding stage lights pop on.
we flash to white. And we're back to the present. The elevator doors slide open. Ethan just stands there. Then he reaches over, pressing the up button. Moments later, we're inside Big Mama's hospital room. Ethan enters. The sounds and smells hit him. He scans the room. Monitors, machines, tubes. Landing finally on his mom. Ethan is not comfortable. We move in close on Big Mama. And as we do, her eyes pop open. And there she is, looking right at us. Warning, more characters ahead. Again, it's a big family. Relax, you'll know who you need to know when you need to know them.